Well, thank you for your prayers. Me and uh, Lydie actually made an unexpected international trip this week. We ended up in the uh, nation of Capitol Hill uh, for a moment. And um, <laughs> anyway, saw the sights, bless God. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the dress code there is different than yeah, yeah, everywhere different. else in the nation. It's different, yeah. There was... There was some nudes and some different things, and we had to just, we had to bless ourselves on the way in and out, but, uh... There's not the same, I'll say it again, I don't think they caught what yeah, I said. Yeah, the dress code yeah, isn't a, the same there in, yeah, the, in, that in the country it's there. It's a little different. Yeah. But you know what was cool? Could you share that story about, uh, Lighty and I were just walking around, it was Thursday night, and, uh, it's like the, a mix of, like, a bumper shoot, street party, festival... Marijuana. Hemp. Fest slash, and it's all kind of amalgamated together. Probably a couple thousand people down there. You got political speeches over here. You got live music over here. You've got people. Uh, there's a vegetable co-op. They're growing a garden. Uh, there's all sorts of things. But anyways, we had an interesting interaction with a guy, and I yeah. thought it was actually reflective of something super spiritually significant. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, we didn't know what we were going to walk into down there. Right. So we were standing across the street. Uh, this is kind of funny. We were on Broadway about to cross, and I, 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 I lean over to Russ. I go, listen, if I, if I hold your hand to keep from getting jumped. Just go with it. Just, just, just don't right. tell anybody, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't. Just for accountability's sake, we didn't. I would have, but we didn't. Yeah, we didn't yeah, have yeah, to, yeah, thankfully. Yeah, right, right. Well, because, again, we didn't know what we were walking into. Right. So everyone's wearing masks, you know, and it's a little edgy, you know. And right. so we're walking around, and I'm praying in tongues because I'm like, I don't know yes, what's sir. going on. You know what I mean? But yes, you got a sir. face mask on, so it's all right. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> They can't saying. tell, you know what That's I mean? I just like a normal guy down there being nuts, you know. <laughs> so we're walking. No kidding. So we walk over to this one little thing. And there's a there's a kid a kid I call him a kid he's probably 19 20 years old right. he's sitting on the sidewalk and he's crying like right. legitimately in tears right and so we 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 Pastor Russell engages with him and say hey you know what's going on what what what's the matter and he's like I just this this emotionally I can't handle this this is like too much like all of this this whole thing is just like weighing on me and he's he's legitimately crying and then he's like hey you guys want some drugs and we're like no we don't want drugs like. <laughs> He's like, I can get him. I go, no, yeah. we don't want drugs. I go, bro, you need to take care of yourself emotionally right now. Right. I said, all of this stuff that's going on, like in the world, like you're not made to carry all of this right. and you need to take care of yourself emotionally. Right. And he goes, I know, I know I need to get back. He goes, I need to go back. I need to go back to church. He goes, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to church. I'm gonna go. And he gets up and he starts walking away. And he goes, I'm gonna go back to church. And I'm like, do it. Go back to church. Right, right. And I look at Russell, and he's like, what did you do? You know, and I'm like, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> right, right. We didn't even bring up church, and all of a sudden, it was like something was awakened in this yes. young man. Yes, And I, I, think, I think it's exemplified of this, this idea that people are yearning for family. Yeah. They're desiring of spiritual community. Yeah. And I, I heard this guy in the distance. I went back to Lydie. I said, did you invite him to church? Lydie said, I didn't mention anything about church. We just said, how you doing? You look sad. You're crying. And his response is, don't worry. I'm going to get back in church. And I just thought to myself, like, 
If that speaks something so profound about our prodigal generation that is just looking for somewhere to belong. They're just looking for a dad to welcome them home. They're looking for a people that encourage them to be a part of a movement. And I'm like, you can mock the Capitol Hill Zone all you want, but they've tapped into something that the church has largely missed for 2,000 years, which is people are desiring to give themselves to something more Bigger. than yeah. mediocre yeah. living. Yeah. Come on, man. It's so good. They're it's looking so good. for something. And, and I, I walked away with a conviction of going like, if I can't meet or exceed the passion and the calling and the directive of this group, then why are we even pastoring in this city? Yeah. And so I walked away from that interaction going like, Number one, it's just because you carry something wherever you go. You know what I mean? You bring you with you wherever you go, and that's either really good news or really bad news. Because if you're a toxic person, it's going to stink wherever you go, and it's not everybody else, it's you. And if you're a healthy person, that's going to come out. But we didn't even mention church, but this was his response. I know I need to go back home. I know I need to get back in church. And you know what, Lottie, I thought about this. How interesting would it be if you could do a survey in the Capitol Hill zone? How many of them young people grew up in church running from God. How many of you think? What percentage? Oh, I, bet I bet it's a good amount. I bet it's a good amount. And I think it's just reflective of the fact that people are looking to belong. They're looking for family. And what I love about the body of Christ is we can be diverse enough to make room for people who don't always agree all the time. If we make agreement the high mark for relationship, we are losing the people that God's asking us to reach. Anyways, right I'm all stirred up. <laughs> Preach. I told somebody, I said, I'm going to the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. They, they thought I said I was, go- I was going to the Capitol Hill Auto Zone. I said, it's not Auto Zone. It's an Autonomous Zone. Friend, in your life, the surest way to avoid criticism, let me give it to you. Do nothing, be nothing, say nothing. You want to avoid criticism? You want to avoid flack? You want to be everybody's friend? Receive all the accolades and compliments. Be nothing. Do nothing. And say nothing. I feel like in our world today, what we're seeing manifest more than maybe ever before is the spirit of the age. Spirit of the age that is arguing and competing for attention and for affection and for political tribalism and for allegiance to causes. My encouragement for you today, friend, is to remember that if you marry the spirit of the age, you will be widowed in the next. And so we align ourselves and marry ourselves into relationship with Christ, knowing that in we are his and he is ours, then together what we enter into is a lifelong, iterative, transformative process by which every day in small ways and big ways we are transformed into his image and into his likeness. Something else struck me as I was walking around Capitol Hill and just praying and talking to people was that how easy it is to have unity when everyone agrees. It's also pretty boring. It's easy to have unity and quote unquote peace when everyone agrees. But as soon as you enter into the dialogue, a different opinion or a different viewpoint or a different perspective, 
It is the true test of whether or not you actually have peace in your life. Friend, remember, peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of Christ and the development of maturity in the midst of the construct of conflict. And so for us, we don't look at peace as everyone agrees all the time, and as soon as my feathers are rough, when I'm up, leaving, going to somewhere else. We know that peace looks like the ability to be a well-differentiated individual, even in a chronically anxious moment. Or whatever. Anyways, y'all know what I'm saying. Disagreement is the real test of relationship. Because peace isn't the absence of conflict, it's the maturity to manage difficult conversations. And although it's easy to mock other people in other places, how many times have we insulated ourselves from everyone else's perspective? Essentially, when we do that, what we're really saying is the only voice I value is my own. The loneliest you will ever be is when you find yourself in an echo chamber where everyone sounds like you. Sometimes we do that as a way to protect the fragile nature of our own ego. I've got to insulate myself from people who look different, sound different, speak different, because God forbid I hear a different opinion. Man, my whole life would just existentially collapse if somebody disagreed or challenged the way that I view things. I think we can disagree without being disagreeable, but my encouragement to you is that part of the beauty of church is that you get to gather around other people who view God differently. And I don't mean view them differently in a core theological way. But you're going to have some people who really interact and engage with the elements of God that look like justice and judgment and setting right the world. You're going to interact with other people who every time they talk about God is love, joy, and peace. You're going to interact with other people who are super expressive and emotive in the way that they encounter and worship. You're going to interact with other people who are really contemplative and more monastic in the way that they engage in some of these spiritual disciplines. And what you're going to see around you is the forming of this beautiful multifaceted diamond that when the light reflects off of it, it gives a full picture of who Jesus is. And it's like, well, I just, I just really want to be in a place where it's just me. It's just my voice. I'm just a megaphone. I'm just hearing an echo. When all of the voices begin to sound like yours, that's not a sign of health. That's a sign of sickness. You know, from uh, time to time, I, I, I hear people say things like, I, I want our church to look like the New Testament church, the first century church, the book of Acts church. I saw a pastor from New York make these remarks this week. Well, in Acts 5, you got folks keeling over dead in church. In chapter 8, you got persecution. Chapter 15, you got racial and ethnic tensions. In chapter 19, you have riots. So which part of that do you want for the New Testament church? Because I think we're about four for four in 2020. <laughs> But how easy is it to idealize things that you were actually never a part of? And like, isn't it interesting how history has a way of sanitizing our memory? Like, oh man, back in the good old days, you know, when the church was really the church in the first century. Uh, when they were feeding Christians the lions, we think we're persecuted when our mobile coffee order is wrong. You want to go back to the first century church? I don't think we're ready for that. <laughs> As we think about what it looks like to live in the moment, but prepare for the future, we resist the temptation to hearken back to the good old days because they weren't as good as you remember. 
And they were filled with challenges that God used as a construct of development to help those people overcome. Do you know that God didn't make a mistake putting you in this area of the world, in this season, in this time, in this year? He didn't make a mistake. And that means he has uniquely equipped you to be a part of the answer to the cries of our generation. It was like King David before he was king and that age-old story and recorded in 1 Samuel of him going out to battle Goliath. And he rallies the troops of Israel and he says, is there not a cause? Basically saying, don't you recognize that you were born for this moment? That what we do now echoes in eternity. Don't you realize the significance of God placing you here? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen those like quizzes on social media, but they're like, what is the decade that you really wish you lived in? And people have all these kind of imaginary time periods where things were so much easier. Come on, friend, if all of a sudden you were teleported 10 years back and your internet speed was cut in half, then you'd have a crisis. God, take me out of anything but this. We suffer from this grass is always greener somewhere else. It's greener where you water it. It's greener where you develop it. It's greener where you make an investment. And that's why I challenge people, don't just attend, don't show up. Salvation is not a line that you cross, it's a family you're invited into. And church isn't just something you attend, it's a community that you engage with. And it's not always easy, and it's not meant to be always easy because easy things don't produce the type of growth that God knows you need. I'm in this like, PhD program at Northwest, and one of my friends I think is, is with me uh, uh, today, Dr. Danette, I think she's here somewhere, but she's one of my friends in the program, and you know, we have these like easy classes that I'm like thankful for, like every once in a while you get a breather, you have to write a 20-page paper instead of a 40-page paper, I'm like, man, I got a breather, but what I've found is that the difficult classes are the ones that mark me. I remember in three, four years, that paper that I labored over, that research project that I invested in, the amount of sweat, blood, and tears that I put into finishing that course. And God knows, friend, in your life, that it's not the easy seasons or the easy situations, but when life kicks you in the gut so hard that you feel like digging up and doubt what's been planted in faith, it's in those moments that you look back on in a year or two years and you go, you know what, I never want to go through that again, but thank God I kept going. Thank God he was with me in the valley of the shadow. Thank God. I never want to have to attend a funeral like that, but thank God I survived in that season. Thank God I'm here today. I'm a reflection of every moment the enemy designed to take me out that God used to establish my foundation. Friend, in our world today, we got people running around trying to cancel everybody, cancel each other out, cancel people's posts, cancel people's livelihoods, cancel people's jobs. Let me tell this to you today, that the most important thing that you can cancel in your own life is your own sin. Cancel yourself. I'm going to run for president. That's going to be my slogan. Cancel yourself. We're so busy telling everybody else how to live. Telling everybody else what opinion that they ought to have. Tell everybody else, unless you agree with exactly the way that I see things, we can't even be civil to each other in society. How's that working out for us? It doesn't feel like very well. <laughs> and so for you and I, we got to make a decision to resist the temptation to judge or correct people that we're not in relationship with. 
Let me give you a real easy one-question test to determine whether or not you should judge or correct somebody else. Are you in relationship with them? And then secondly, will you judge them according to the level of relationship that you've got? I'm telling you, you will be an exhausted person if you try to correct every wrong opinion on the internet. You will be exhausted if you try to correct everybody else's misnomer. You know, I love the internet because it gives everybody a voice, and I hate the internet because it gives everybody a voice. <laughs> and the internet's like a collection for stupid people to find each other. <laughs> find each other. <laughs> Too much. We marched to the city last week. We marched to the city. Praying, peaceful, praying for people. As somebody got online, they commented. They didn't watch the, uh, they, they, they're not a part of the church, but they observed the march. And their comment was, this is the reason why we need to take away church's nonprofit status. Separation of church and state. Blah, blah, blah. I can't believe that these Christians would gather on the city hall steps. I know this person, and, and I just thought to myself, well, I didn't see that commentary in any of the other protests, but, you know, it's just me. I, I didn't see you making that statement about anybody else. It sounds like you just got a problem with church. Friends, separation of church and state was not to protect the state from the church. It was to protect the church from the state. <laughs> Let me get this straight. Christians are now not allowed to walk on government property? That sounds real progressive, real tolerant. You know, appeasing the mob is like feeding an alligator hoping it will eat you last. <laughs> I'm feeding alligators. I cancel demons. I don't argue with them. I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? You just find people come out of the woodwork just to criticize you. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, if we would just follow the rules of Matthew 7. Now, watch what the Bible says in Matthew 7. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? Next slide, please. Okay, let me read it on here. Uh, oh, did you go to the next slide? <sighs> I was about to judge. I was about to judge the PowerPoint for... <laughs> Who running PowerPoint? Is that Karen? You having a baby tomorrow or what? She gonna go into labor. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I love when Jesus says things that are rude. Not because it gives you permission to be rude, but because it helps like readjust our perspective of Jesus. Like we think Jesus is walking around in Birkenstocks, drinking herbal tea, smoking weed. Like Jesus <laughs> said stuff to people. He said stuff to people. And you know what I love? Is the harshest judgment for Jesus was not reserved for the world. Why? Because judgment starts where? In the house of God. Hey, we're so busy judging everybody else's opinions. Judgment ought to start with you. And for us, it doesn't mean that you can't develop an opinion, for Scripture even says that we judge using righteous judgment. But what it does mean is that it ain't my job to judge the world, and the more you try, the more tired 
you'll become. And do you know that it is possible? I know this sounds like supernatural revelation for the world we live in today, but do you know that it is possible to affirm who people are without agreeing with everything that they say? It's possible. And you know what? Sometimes it's even possible to affirm who they are without going into the seven reasons for why you disagree with the things they say. Sometimes you can just acknowledge that that's where people are at. Hey, appreciate your perspective. That's not my perspective, but I appreciate that you have a perspective. And you know, I, I think about it like I think about the context of church. You have somebody get born again today, come to the altar. They don't get a theological test on their way out. Uh, what's your view of uh, the Trinity? And you know, when Christ returns, is it post-mill or on-mill or has he already? Or what's, you know, they, they don't get a test. We invite them into the transformative river of fellowship. And then we trust that the Holy Spirit is actually really good at doing the Holy Spirit's job, which is convicting the world of sin, judging people in accordance with the word, and then helping them develop. So my job is to love the hell out of people. It's God's job and his word to convict and to judge. And I know sometimes for us, it's like our human need to punish somebody else. And I just go, but I thought he was already punished for us. But we have this human need. I've got to punish you for being wrong. What if you were unpunishable because of what Christ has done? I don't mean that your actions don't have consequences. But what if we let go of the need to satiate our own insecurity by canceling other people and instead just affirm that even though that might not be the perspective I share, it's at least interesting to me that you have one. <laughs> and why don't you hang here for a while and let's see God do some incredible things in your life. And together, let's believe that the same God who was good enough and gracious enough to work with me through all of my mistakes is good enough to work with you through all of your own as well. Just a thought. When you know the type of person you are, you begin to understand what type of communication you're going to bring. Watch what the Apostle Peter says, 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is near. Well, that's encouraging. Thanks, Peter. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that when you pray, so that you may pray. But above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality one, to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks. It doesn't say everyone should speak. It says if you speak. How should you speak? As one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him be the glory and the power forever and ever amen I wish I could download this as like an extension to our internet if anyone speaks let him do so as one who speaks the very words of God other translations say who speak as an oracle of God Maybe if that became the filter by which we interacted, we could be more a part of the solution and less a part of the problem. 
You've got to make a decision in this moment. What do you want to be known for? Because I just don't think the world is going to be changed by the loudness of our opinions. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have them. And it doesn't mean that you can't communicate them. But what it does mean is that we get one shot to do this well. So I'm going to steward that. And I'm going to take every opportunity I can to when I speak, I'm going to speak as the words of Christ. So when somebody hears me on City Hall, they don't go, man, that sounded like a political rally. They go, man, that sounded like a pastor broken over a city. It sounded like a Jesus weeping over a Jerusalem. It sounded like a church concerned about the trajectory of racial justice in their county. It sounds like God's people. Now, you will be criticized because haters are going to hate. But my encouragement for you is that if you keep your mind renewed, your perspective clear, you won't allow every negative opinion to sidetrack your faith. Friend, crucify the need to be liked and affirmed by everyone around you. And in doing so, find freedom to be who God's asked you to be. What if somebody disagrees? Oh, they're going to disagree. They, remember, they killed Jesus. Well, what if somebody calls me an idiot or thinks this or misunderstands me? Oh, that will happen. That's like Monday morning. That's, that's what we signed up for. You ever wonder why scripture says Jesus made himself of no reputation? Because the more that you try to guard and defend your reputation, the more that you're fighting in the wrong direction. If I'll guard my heart, he'll protect my reputation. I want to stand in the seat of mercy. I want to extend grace and honor and fellowship to other people who disagree. I want to welcome people back when they've sinned against me. And I hope to be welcomed back when I've sinned against them. I want to be the type of church that says, even if you're not with somebody else on every single one of the issues, if we can agree on Jesus, we can do this together. If you want a coalition to heal the nations, you better get used to sitting next to people who vote different than you. You want to build a coalition to bring healing to our communities? You better be okay sitting next to police officers and a BLM protester. You want to bring people together to the seat of fellowship and engage with them at the wedding banquet of the Lamb? You better get used to sitting next to people who are rich, poor, male, female, men-servant, maid-servant, and all every other cross-section of society. But if we just want some sort of homogeneous, everybody looks the same, sounds the same, talks the same, then really what you want is a mirror. And a mirror doesn't provide life. It just provides an echo. When you know your construction, I'm going to end here. When you know your construction, you can communicate your conviction. But see, if I don't know how I'm built, how can I effectively engage in the world around me? Watch what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6. The Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The world system says, my body, my choice. And yet scripture says, your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You know, when we say our bodies are a temple, the question that I ask myself is, what type of temple am I? Got a couple pictures for you in closing this morning. Different temples. Here on the screens in front of you, we have an Aztec 
pyramid. Built to impress, constantly requiring the sacrifice of others, always taking but never giving, probably haunted. <laughs> what type of temple are you? Well, how about a Greek temple? Ancient, crumbling, very impressed with itself. How about Kingdom Hall? No windows. Nobody can see inside. Lots of rules. Very little fun. Scared to death of everything. How about a Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> On life support. Just here for the snacks. Built to entertain. Very little substance. Sounds like some churches. How about a house of God? Filled with glory. Hopeful. Victorious. Healed. Delivered. Set free. Confident. Secure. Watch Paul's destruction of the church in Philippi. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And why is this so important? Because whether you like it or not, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thought. And what you set your mind on will become the greatest gravitational force for your destiny. You set your mind on conflict, guess what you're going to have? Sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. Set your mind on being everybody else's judge, guess what you'll receive? A double portion of judgment. Set your mind on having to impress, trying to be right all the time can't hear somebody else's perspective, can't be bothered to engage in society, guess what you'll reap? Those exact things. For you and I, we're called to something higher, something better, something more deep, something richer. It's this faith, this lifelong development. Not a line we cross, not a box we check, not even a service we attend. Not even an altar we come to. But a decision to engage with Jesus and others day by day, month by month, year by year, and in doing so, to at the end of our lives reflect on a life that has been forever impacted and marked by the goodness of God witnessed in the land of the living. Brad, you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. You got everything you need today according to life and godliness. You already been equipped. You already been prepared. God's been working in the background of your life preparing you for this season. It's not our time to shrink back. 
It's our time to engage. We're going to be a church that leans in to this moment because it's not just about revival in here. It's about reformation out there. And if we manage and steward this moment well, it will set us up for what God desires to do next. Let's believe together that our best days aren't behind us, they're ahead of us. That the Northwest is on a collision course with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that the church will not be an either or organization, but a both and. We are both interested in what God is doing here and interested in what God is doing on the outside. We are both engaged in spiritual solutions inside the context of a gathering and interested in political and social solutions outside of a building. We are both interested in interior development and also interested in exterior work. We don't have to pick a side because on the cross, Jesus managed the tension of the middle and has asked us to hold that thing in beauty and in awe and in reverence for the rest of our lives. And it's not easy, and it's certainly not comfortable, and yes, it is difficult, but if we do it well, we can be the type of church that God has given us vision to be, effective, powerful, hope-filled, transforming a region imparting to the nations would you stand with me as we close this morning I want to pray you out today thank you for joining us let's believe together you and me let's believe together that God is at work in this moment God I thank you that if there's anything that you're attracted to it storms you show up in the furnace you show up on the sea of Galilee you walk through walls Everywhere there's a conflict, Christ appears in the middle. And he speaks calm. He speaks peace. He speaks strategy. He offers a new perspective. And, and God, today we give you permission to baptize our minds. That we could properly adjudicate the situations of life through a Christological lens. That we would see and know and understand and come alive to the invitation to not just be a mere witness of history, but to carve the course of this community through intentional engagement with God. Father, do your best work in us. Start here, start in me. We open our lives in a fresh way and we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the honor, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Fred, thanks so much for joining.